Bibles, please, to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This is uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I think I memorized this very shortly after I got saved. I quote it quite often to myself. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so we're going to continue studying about how, how to be spiritual. And uh, t tonight, just entitled this, Love Not the World. And uh, remind you of some things and show you hopefully some new things. Uh, this is very, very important for a child of God. Our Father, we pray that you bless the study. We yield your spirit. We realize without thee we can do nothing. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And we yield to Him now. We pray that He would speak to us. We wish not how the wind blows, nor where it comes, nor where it goes. But we know You're here. We pray that the Word would not fall to the ground. Help us to be studious and uh, diligent and sober-minded and bring conviction where needs be. Help us to love not the world. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're talking about how to be spiritual and just uh, give you a quick summary or overview. Uh, there's two things we want to emphasize. In order to be spiritual, after you recognize your spirit, that's a little less. Remember Paul said in Romans 1.9 that he serves God with his spirit. Uh, the first thing is you have to get the right spirit. So this is a free will choice, but you have to be subjected to the right spirit and people with the right spirit. So once you get the right spirit, number two, the goal is to pass righteous judgment. That's what the end result will be for a spiritual person. So it's not somebody who's happy all the time or who is kind or nice. Uh, a lot of people want their own definition of biblical doctrine, but to be spiritual is to pass righteous judgment. So we looked at in 1 Corinthians 2, things will be revealed which were already present. Once this happened, you realize this in awareness, you'll begin to search. You'll begin to ask, you'll begin to study, you'll begin to pray. God will answer and reveal. And then when this happens, you'll start to know things. Your knowledge will increase in the things of the Lord and the Bible. And then you'll begin to uh, compare things. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't listen to what this new movement is. You're not supposed to compare. Always compare, and then when you do this, you will make good, righteous judgment. You will judge right from wrong. You can turn gray to black or white. So the carnal mind, which is at enmity against God, then will be 
transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2, to the mind of Christ. And, and that is the goal. So a couple, however much time passed, two weeks ago we talked about the uh, ways that destroy kings. And this is very important, once again, just to remind you that a title is not enough. You need to qualify for the position. And uh, now the, uh, there's a new move I heard in Secular Humanism College that uh, people don't even need college anymore. They just want to take over without being qualified with an education. But a lot of people just want to buy a degree, get a title. You know, buy a degree, get a title. Um, so we must qualify with the right spirit from God and wisdom to make righteous judgment. And we know that wisdom is the principal thing. So just to remind you, the king had to write a copy of, his, of the word of God by hand. You know, think about that. A lot of people can't write cursive. A lot of people only know how to text. They only know how to type. Uh, they can't even print. Think about that. He had to write a copy of the law for himself. And then there were three stipulations. He could not uh, multiply horses unto himself. We talked about this going down to Egypt. He could not multiply wives unto himself. And then he could not uh, heap up and multiply silver and gold. Now, um, I've learned, and sometimes I have to remind myself, and I sometimes make the mistake, you cannot study the Bible with a preconceived notion. Um, sometimes I'll think I have something, and I'll do a word study, and it's not there. I just have to admit um, that's not what I wanted it to be. Uh, I'm sure that's happened to a lot of us. But sometimes we try to force it, and uh, that's not right. We'll reach a false conclusion. But I used to think, and I try to convince myself, because I love this verse, that these three stipulations or regulations about the king applied to 1 John 2, 15 through 17, about the lust of the eyes, the pride of the, you know, the lust of the flesh. This applied to the... Uh, the horses and the wives and the silver and gold. And I used to apply only one. You know, this is the women, that's the lust of the eyes. And the, uh, you know, the horses, that's got to be the lust of the flesh. And then the, the money, that's the pride of life. And I don't think you can really categorize it that way because they all apply to every one of these. These overlap. It's almost like a funnel that's coming in to a very small space. They do all overlap and they pertain to each other. And sometimes you could categorize them, you know, the lust of the flesh or the eyes, the pride of life, but they all apply to uh, all three of these. So just a real quick reminder, every believer is a king. The purpose of the king is to pass judgment, nothing else. He's not to be lording over God's heritage. He's not to be lifted up with pride. He wants to pass righteous judgment to make biblical decisions, to see clearly, to have discernment, to know right from wrong, and then have the fortitude or the guts 
to tell the truth and not to have a false balance, not to be swayed by bribes or the rich or uh, sentimentalism, subjection, or any of these things. So only when the king passes righteous judgment will he reign. And that's the way that you reign. If you want to rule your life and those things which God has entrusted you with, then you have to judge wisely. If your judgment becomes foggy or clouded or gray, you're going to lose your longevity and you're going to lose your power. So, as we said, God gave the king stipulations. He had to write his own copy of the word, uh, the law, and then he could not do these three things which we've mentioned. And it says his heart would not be lifted up. He would not be full of pride because knowledge puffeth up and authority corrupts. Absolute authority corrupts absolutely. And then it says that he would not turn from the commandment. So think about it. This will keep us in the will of God. Keep us on the right path. We will not be lifted up with pride, but we'll humble ourselves. Then it says it will prolong our days. So it will prolong the life of our, our own life, our family, and uh, the kingdom which God has entrusted you with. So remember, Texas has the castle law. Your house ought to be your castle. Doesn't matter what the edifice structure is. You're a king, and you ought to rule over your kingdom for God. So we're looking tonight at love not the world. How to be spiritual. The right spirit, the Holy Spirit of God in heaven, which is in you, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, uh, versus the spirit of the world and not to love the world. Now I begin by saying this, everybody is spiritual. Everybody. You know, somebody, that guy's spiritual. Man, she's spiritual. Everybody's spiritual. Most people, though, are have the wrong spirit. Most people. Um, and a lot of Christian, professing Christians have the wrong spirit. So you can have uh, anger, bitterness, lust, resentment. Uh, there's a spirit of infirmity that makes people sick, that lingers and will not heal. Um, also oppression, all types of uh, physical injury, uh, bodily ailments that are a result of spirits. So we want to learn how to turn gray to black or white. And these stipulations were very, very significant because if we don't reign, now listen to me, someone or something will reign over you. Now, God has made us kings and priests unto Himself. He is the King of what? Kings. And we are to follow Jesus Christ as dear children. He is the head of the body. We are members of the same body. And He has entrusted us, made us stewards over our own life and our household. So, first of all, what do you do with your soul? You commit the well-keeping of your soul unto Him with whom we have to do. You, you turn it back to Him, and then as you study and learn what is required, you use your spirit 
to yield to the Holy Spirit, to have discernment, to love not the world, because the world is at enmity which, with God, just like the carnal mind. So, these are the sh thou shalt nots. Did you know there's many more thou shalt nots than thou shalts? You know, you think about sins of omission or commission, uh, but all these things relate to the three battlefronts. So what are they? We fight a war against the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's, our enemy is not people. It's not those we disagree with or all these different things which are out in the world. The world, the flesh, and the devil. So what is the most important one? If I were to ask you, don't raise your hand or write it down. You know, answer it in your mind. Is it most important to defeat the devil or the flesh or the world? Now, just think about it a minute, because all those overlap. Uh, but so the flesh, lust, right? And the flesh created the world to fulfill its lust. And then when Adam lost dominion, the devil became what? The God of this world. So there's too many people out there fighting the devil, and I'm against the world. I, I, I don't love it. I hate it, I hope. But the, the, the most important thing is the flesh. If you can get the flesh right, and the only way to do that, it's not going to change. Don't forget that. Your flesh did not get saved. It will never change till the glorification. It's still lust. So what do you do according to Galatians 5? You grow in grace, walk with God, uh, hide the Word in your heart, get wisdom. The fruit of the Spirit will overcome the works of the flesh. That's the only way. Now, you have to know the battle you're fighting on three fronts. We're in the world. We live in a body of flesh. The devil is over this world. He rules it. He's in control. So no one is going to get anywhere in this world without the devil's help or God intervening to help his people. It's the only way, because the devil's the God of this world. God is the God of heaven. Don't ever forget that. So we fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, we live in a time of blame and passing the buck. Every problem is blamed upon anything other than the real cause. Um, I see it all the time. What is the cause? If you know the cause, you can get the right and only solution. But if you have a false cause and trying to justify these things, it'll never work. So they blame it on uh, low standard of living, uh, poor income, not good uh, education opportunity, racism. I heard a guy say recently, well, I grew up in a place where there was only two choices. You either did drugs and became a criminal or you played sports. You know, that's, that's an excuse to fail. Everybody 
can make something out of their life. In America especially, free education, you can make something out of your life. It still is the land of opportunity. But, you know, what if we did that growing up? Well, I grew up and only had two choices. I had to skip school and do dope, or I had to uh, play on the football team. That was my only choices. It's not my fault. That's the world I was born into. No, you, there's a lot of choices. Doesn't matter where you come from. Right. So they blame it now on uh, climate change. You have too heavy of a carbon footprint, uh, whatever that is. It's the founding father's fault. It's Columbus's fault. Uh, all these things. Now, what does the Bible say? Love not the world. Amen. Neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So we want to try to explain what this means. So first of all, the world is the cosmos. It is the order of things. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns the creation. The devil is the god of the cosmos, the the societies, the government, the economic system, the false religions, everything that operates the lust and, and appeals to the lust of the flesh of men is the world. So we need to take a stance, first of all, right. I don't love the world. Now, that sounds pretty simple, but it, this changed my life. I know it changed my brother's life. I don't, I don't fit in. I don't, not only do I not like this place, and you know what I mean when I say that. I don't love it. I don't fit in. I don't love it. Now, you take a stand mentally and get some backbone and just say, I am against it. I don't love it. I'm not going to be for it. I'm not going to fit in. I'm not going to be like it. I'm not going to capitulate. Secondly, you're not supposed to love the things in the world. Now, this could become difficult because we're to be in the world, but not of it, right? You have to be in it, and you're supposed to use the world, but not abuse it. So we all need clothes and a vehicle and a house, and you had to eat. And the Bible talks about God will fill the house of the wise with oil and treasure. So you just don't love the things in the world, but God in His blessing will allow you to accumulate these things. So you have to learn how to accumulate and get acquisition without loving it. Some people can't do that. And it is difficult. So you don't love the world. You don't love the things that are in the world. And so what is the deciding factor of total victory? Love. What you love and what type of love you have. And this is very important. This is a principle that we need to remember. This love cancels the other love. So the love for God cancels the love for the world. And this, these two types of love 
cannot dwell together in the same place. It's an impossibility. So you cannot love God and love the world at the same time. And you cannot love the world and love God at the same time. So what does the God of this world do? He brings the world into the church and says you can do both. You can, you can be worldly. You can be churchy worldly. The church is so worldly. The world is so churchy. You can't tell the difference. Bring a rock band on the stage. Get rid of the psalm books. Get rid of the pews. Go modern. Uh, get rid of the old timey. Forsake the old past. Forsake the tradition of your fathers. Forget what your grandpa taught you. Forget what the great men of God taught us to pass on to the next generation. Love the world and love God too. That's impossible. So what is he saying? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And it tells why. Because the lust, the world will pass away, and the lust thereof, but uh, he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. So this is a nature of a temporary lust fix versus an eternal abiding love of God with God for ever and ever and ever. Now, if we don't love the world, you will love God. If you love the world, you will not love God. And so don't deceive yourself by the apostasy in these last days that you can do both. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, this, as we reign as kings, pass judgment to rule, we gain longevity, we gain power over our enemies and those things and people who want to rule and reign over us. And don't ever forget this. You might be a kind person minding your own business. I think most of us are. There's someone out there and something who wants to control you. It wants to dominate you, to be your dictator. It wants to make you their slave. And it's the world. The world. Love not the world. Why? The, the world is the invention of the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now, what the key is the nature. Are we going to have an eternal perspective for God in heaven, or are we going to live below, under the sun, things that will perish, temporary perishables? You know, the, uh, when you buy your groceries, perishables, you better eat it quick because it begins to uh, decay immediately. And then some things will have a date. Uh, it's good until, you know, I look, my shows you I need glasses. Well, I need to use my glasses. We were looking at some, my wife bought some real healthy drink. And she goes, well, you check the date. And I said, it says 422. Looks good to me. I think I would have tried it. Uh, smelled it first. Smelled it and, and then tried it. But um, it, was, it was past the date. Uh, you know, all these people out there who are flesh pots and lust buckets, 
given over to hedonism, given over to money and uh, power and popularity and the ways of the world, the trends, the fashions, the worldliness, it passeth away. It will soon be over. So the worldly lust passeth away. The will of God abideth forever. So what is the will of God? Believe on him whom he has sent. That's what Jesus said. This is the will of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Do you believe that the heavenly father sent his son to represent him? Jesus said, I've only shown you what the father's shown me. I've told you everything that the father's told me. I and the father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Believe on him whom the father sent. And, you know, I was studying that. It's stated two ways. You believe on him whom he has sent, and do you believe him who sent him to represent him? Now, if you do his will, what does it say? You shall know the doctrine. You know why you have all these kooks and crackpots and heretics and misinformed, ignorant people? They didn't do his will. And what did his will? Believe on him whom he has sent. And then you have the different individual things that God has uh, called us to do according to His will. So, will we separate and come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing, saith the Lord of hosts, or will we be of the world and love the world and become a slave to the world? And allow the world to dictate our tastes, our preferences, our convictions, our styles, all these different things, our ways, our values, our priorities, our ethics, our morals. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Think about that. If you judge all things, you will be of the mind of Christ, you will be spiritual, and you will not love the world. Why? The world is the invention of the flesh to fulfill its lust, and the devil is the god of this world. Now, anybody who has total power, or not total, but you know what I mean, a lot, it was given to them, and they stepped on somebody, st stabbed somebody in the back, uh, it's dog eat dog, and it was not a blessing because the devil's the god of this world. Now, I looked up this word, uh, usually I would say this at the first, but I, uh, I left it for last. The word love. You know, I was wondering, is this agape love or phileo love in the Greek? Unconditional love or uh, conditional, I'll like you if you like me. This is what the word means. Uh, the first thing that comes up is much. So the word much means a percentage that overwhelms everything else. Much or a lot or a large percentage. That's you love it. Not like it. Not Kind of like it. You, you're, you are given over to it. So his, this is what it means. To be a friend. 
to have affection, to deliberately assent your will, to deliberately choose to fit in, to love whatever is sold, love whatever is propagated, love whatever is popular, love whatever is uh, on the agenda, deliberately give over to it and to be its friend and to have affection for it and to take up for it and to long for it and to think about it and to desire to be with it and those who are of the same inclination. The word when you really study it, it means to agree with. Agree with, be drawn to, in spirit, way, goals, all these things of the society. Love not the world. Now, I just decided a long time ago, I don't love the world. And it's not just a decision. I realized what it was. And I realized what God did and paid the price for me with the blood of His Son to save me from that, from the world. And faith is the victory that overcometh the world. And I, I realized if it's worldly, I don't want anything to do with it. And if it's popular, I'm against it. If it's famous, I'm against it. If it's trendy, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't, I don't, I'm against trends. If it's uh, fashionable, whatever the word is. So the spirit, we have a choice. You can have the spirit of the world, or you can have the spirit of heaven. And the God of heaven, the King of kings, made every believer a king and a priest and entrusted them to be stewards over all of their life and their possessions, their family. And the only way you can love God is to love not the world. And there's so many people, they will not repent. And when, when you think about this, so you, I'm, I'm through, but you have spiritual, you have adultery physically, where you cheat on your spouse, and then you have spiritual adultery to where you cheat on God. And so you have a relationship and an adulterous affair with some other spirit other than the Holy Spirit. But then you can have this perverted relationship by loving the world. And if you love the world... The love of the Father is not in you. And the devil is so cunning that some of the most worldly people think they're great Christians. Some of the most worldly churches think they're a great, powerful church. And some of the most worldly hearts who love the world, they wouldn't know God if He walked in the room. They wouldn't recognize. You know, the average church wouldn't know. They would not know if Jesus Christ walked in the room. They've never met him. They don't know who he is. They're of a different spirit. So the flesh invented the world to fulfill its lust. The devil's the God of this world. And the only way to love God 
is love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So this will pass away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, I'm through, but just this is something you will probably never get the total victory until you go to heaven. This is a lifelong battle, and so you'll be tempted. What will happen? You'll recognize it. You may take two steps back, a step forward, two steps forward, three steps, who knows, growing in grace, just keep going the right decision. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But you will, you're, you're, this is a relationship, and you're going to hate it, and sometimes you'll lose your hate, and then sometimes you'll grow cold a little bit, just like all things. But the first thing you have to do is take a stance, I'm against the world. And, and when you do this, God will bless you, and you'll say, you'll recognize that's worldly. Oh, that's worldly. And God will give you the discernment on uh, just another way to be spiritual. All right, let's stand. All right, do remember our prayer requests, please. Don't forget to pray during the week. Remember our ministries. And uh, Lord bless you.